Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi there, it's Tom Verducci with Joe Madden, and it's time for the latest episode of The Book of Joe podcast. Hey, Joe, we're about halfway through the baseball season, and we've got the 4th of July weekend coming up. A lot going on here. I can't believe we've got here already. The season is flying by. It does. I, what happens, and I've talked about this before, spring training goes so slowly. That's like every, but I love it, but it's a slow, slow dance. And then once the season gains momentum, man, it just flies. You, um, Jeff Ziegler, our traveling secretary with the Rays, used to rip off a page off that little pocket schedule after every month. And before you know it, it's the end of the year. It's just, you got to fasten the seatbelts, get ready to go, but it gets quicker and quicker right now. Well, later on, I want to ask you about, uh, I need some recommendations from you about what kind of tunes I should be playing for my backyard barbecue on the 4th of July. Mm. That's, that's really important stuff we're going to get into. Okay. But you mentioned about the arc of the season here, and obviously the team can no longer say it's, it's a bad start or it's early. And in fact, I look around baseball in the last couple of weeks here, Joe, and, and you can see where the tension's starting to rise on certain teams and managers. And I'm going to ask you about when that happens, how a manager deals with it. I call it when good players and good teams go bad. And you know as well as I do, teams will look to the manager to how that manager responds in those scenarios. And there have been a certain 
uh, number of scenarios in the last week or so that I want you to, to run by you. And I want to start with Wander Franco and the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, they've been playing great. There's no problem there. They got out of the gates super fast. They really haven't taken their foot off the pedal. But Kevin Cash had to sit Wander Franco for a couple of days. Basically, if, if I can paraphrase what Cash said, uh, conduct detrimental to his teammates, basically getting frustrated over certain things not going his way and letting his behavior affect other players on the team, whether it was temper tantrums or getting in somebody's face, not running something out. Um, Joe, that told me, you correct me if I'm wrong here, that this was an issue going on for a while. You know, Obviously, Kevin Cash is not going to respond like that to a one-off incident. Um, how bad do you think it would have to be for a manager, especially in today's game, to level discipline so publicly for one of his star players. Everything is so publicly. Yeah, I, I, you're right. It had to have been going on for a while. I actually addressed this yesterday on MLB Network. And uh, for me, what we're permitting this to happen is my, my take on it. Uh, let me see if I could explain what, I'm, what I mean. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I believe, first of all, the manager has to be empowered from day one to, to, to met out this kind of a discipline, uh, disciplinary action in conjunction with this coaching staff and the leadership with this group. I think sometimes the younger player that gets somewhat protected by front offices is able to get away with things to a certain level because it's almost like uh, uh, parenting. Uh, he will get in between the front office or people, whatever, higher-ups, whatever you want to call them, and the field staff and try to play one against the other in order to curry favor because you know he's young and he's talented, whatever. Um, I, I really think that if you just permit, if you just permit the manager to to really take charge of this from the beginning, and the and the leadership group within the team, that will not happen. We're just we're like we're uh, condoning, we're advocating. We want them to flip the ball up in the air, and then throw the ball to first base. We want them to be flamboyant in the game because it's perceived that that's what's going to bring more young people to our game. So I think it's 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 they're inter- interconnected. It's interconnected. And it's happened in other situations, other teams, and it's going to continue to happen unless the grownups in a room take charge. That's that's how I describe it. Um, yeah, listen, I'm you know me and everybody that's been around. I love having a good time. We celebrate every win. We celebrate every win with a disco ball and laser show, and you know it used to be like beer thrown all over everybody, but now it's uh, water. But uh, we celebrate we celebrate achievement, and we always do. We have fun every day. Batting practice, I've actually had. Uh, breakfast served on the field prior to playoff games. That's fun. But to take the game and kind of uh, make it more frivolous, listen, this is not rocket science. I get it. But we're addressing situations on the field that should be addressed early on, earlier on, uh, through we don't do this here. That's not how we're going to play here. Uh, that's inappropriate. That's inex- unacceptable here. Yeah, play hard, have fun. Absolutely, play with your hair on fire. But when you get to the points where it's detrimental to the team, and and everybody else is feeling it. You got to step in and do something. So I'm just saying, empower your coaches uh, to do this up front, and your manager uh, first of all, and the leadership group. And I think you'll be able to avert some of this. Yeah, I love what you said there about having fun. That everything you described there, Joe, was in the concept of team, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we're looking at something. If you want to look even really bigger, it's something going on culturally, and we see it in baseball. It has become more about me than team it's look at me and you can still have the look at me within a team concept when your ultimate motivation is to win the game and to be a good teammate 
there's nothing wrong with showing some swag and having some fun, getting that big hit, celebrating with your teammates. But when you kind of bring that showcase baseball mentality, you know, I have to stand out. I have to, you know, everything starts with I. I think that's where you get in trouble. And I, I think for today's manager, Joe, I mean, that is an uphill climb to try to preach, you know, the true team concept when it's not being done on the climb up to get to the major leagues. Perfect, perfect point. I mean, they, they showcase 100% uh, in, in agreement with that. I've, I've seen that probably right around 2010, uh, between 2010 and 2015, the, the ascension of the showcase player, uh, the, the guy that goes out and uh, gets on a travel team and plays uh, everywhere but his home city, like Hazleton beating West Hazleton isn't important anymore. Now Hazleton's got to beat uh, Lansdale or uh, Pensbury or something down the road by Philadelphia. You just can't win here. You have to get out and you have to travel. And when you do that, you're not you're not winning for the sake of winning for the good old Mountaineers. You're you're trying to be best in show. You're trying to be the best player there so that you get the most notoriety and potentially the most um, scholarship offers or the highest. Uh, draft ranking, and that's what these people are paying for. Parents are paying for this stuff, and it's it happens. Of course, it happens to to the really talented who would have been in that situation regardless had the money been paid or not, as long as they've been playing somewhere. So, where where again? I, I agree. I mean, listen, I'm I'm all fun. I'm not the no fun league. I'm the all fun league. But um, I I don't uh, I can't advocate that. I think that's uh, it's 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 working against. You are uh, injuring the, the team concept. You are promoting individuality, branding. God, I hate when I hear uh, somebody's working on their brand. I, I just, that makes me cringe a little bit. So all of this stuff is interconnected. I think you're 100% right. I'm with you on that brand word as well. That brand is something that's inorganic. It's something that's created. You as a human being have, you know, an organic personality. Let that show. Uh, by the way, I liked what Kevin Cash did. I thought he was upfront, transparent. I mean, listen, you're going to have to explain yourself when your star shortstop is not in the lineup for a couple of days. So it's not like he could gloss over it. Um, but you tell he had rehearsed what he wanted to say. Uh, he really didn't personalize it. He, he just talked in general about what wonder uh, behavior, where, where it needed help. So good on Kevin Cash. Uh, I like the fact that he did step up and he took accountability there. And let's talk about Aaron Boone with the Yankees. There was a manager, it might have been Tony LaRusse, I'm not sure who it was, who once said, don't let a star fall on you. Managing star players, established players who are having a tough time. Man, Joe, that's got to be tough for a manager. And I look at the Yankees right now with Aaron Judge out of the lineup, and some of Aaron Boone's stars simply are not performing well. You have Giancarlo Stanton, who is hitting... 068 against fastballs this month, continually beaten by fastballs. And the same is really happening with Josh Donaldson. He's hitting 121 against fastballs, including 067 when it's 95 and above. These are star players who are just, their timing just is not there. They're getting beat. So, you know, Aaron Boone has some other options. He's got a, a deep roster and he did not have Donaldson in the lineup for a couple of days. And that, required a couple of meetings with Josh Donaldson, who, who let it be known he wasn't happy about it. I don't know if you've had specific cases like that, Joe, but that's got to be really, really difficult when you've got the established player who seems to have earned your trust, but there comes a point where you've just got to sit the player down and explain it to him why you're doing it. Been there. It is difficult, but it's uh, it has to be done. 
you can't all let one guy be bigger than the entire group. And of course, if he's an older player, normally it's uh, it could be just age related and things have slowed down. It could be that uh, combined with an injury. And then on top of that, the, the confidence takes a hit regardless of how much success you've had in the past. And all of a sudden, I'm going to continue to play this guy. And I know, I know the team would be much better off if I chose this younger guy, break him in, bring him along, not only now, but for in the future too. So they have to be done. And, and listen, Donaldson, he can get hot. Absolutely can get hot. And of course, Stanton's going to get hot there. That's all going to happen. And that's going to be down the road. But in the meantime, uh, if you just continue to stay with these people and continue the slide, why you're seeing things, I mean, it's like, listen, it's always about seeing, I'm seeing that this ain't working right now and it's not going to work for a while. And maybe uh, over a course of time, setting them down, a little extra work, different um, uh, way of thinking, perspective, all of a sudden it comes back and he looks like a different player than somebody had in the past. But your eyes, your eyes don't lie either. Now you, you know, you're watching this whole thing and you see something that is different and you have to make these decisions. And I've been there, absolutely 100% have been there with different players um, and it's a difficult thing to do. And what, what occurs there, you just, the, 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 the concern there is that whomever this guy is, if he has enough cachet in the room and if he wants to talk among everybody else and looks for allies and gets supported, that's when it becomes difficult. When the, the leadership group within the clubhouse is strong enough and they see uh, a player looking for allies, uh, you know, versus the, the manager, the coaching staff, whatever, and he can't find any allies because there's, they see the same thing and they know, this is right, the right thing to do, then it works a lot more easily. So there's all these little uh, micro dynamics going on all the time. It's just when you work with a group of people, tightly knit every day, highly charged, very rich um, and and proud people. So there's a lot going on there, man. And there's a lot to deal with regarding Booney right now. Hey, Joe, you said something interesting. I want to follow up there. And that's about sort of trusting your eyes and what you see, right? It goes beyond, obviously, whatever the numbers are. Uh, and sometimes it's the way a guy handles a down period, right? I sure. think about Anthony Volpe right now, the Yankee shortstop hitting under 200. Uh, and there's been a lot of clamor in the New York media about maybe he should go down. But I'll tell you what I see, Joe, is he, he's never beaten down mentally. This kid's always got a smile on his face. You know, if he gets on base, you know, we know how good of a base runner he is. He doesn't let it affect his defense. Now, he's not a, a, a premier defender. He's a good defender. But I haven't seen it affecting his game at all. Now, I think there's things he has to do with his swing. Uh, to me, he, he's got a lot of trouble with a high fastball. He's got to level out his swing uh, to hit for a higher average. He's going to hit for extra bases because when the ball's down, he can crush it. But I haven't seen this rookie shortstop for the Yankees really crushed mentally where you need to kind of you know take the pressure off him by sending him down. So maybe that's what you're getting at, Joe. As a manager, I think a manager needs some leeway here to because he should know his players better than anybody else. Kind of reading the body language, you know, the attitude the player brings to the park every day. How important is that for a manager? Yeah, I mean, right. When a guy quits on himself, then he gets sent down. I mean, that's that's number one for me. If the guy showed he's not quit on himself, then it really makes, like you're talking about right now, what am I seeing? What do we got? What are the conversations like? Talk to your coaches. How is he in the cage? How's his ground balls? You know, uh, then you talk to like uh, the, the the support staff uh, in the clubhouse. Is he is he um, coming undone a little bit? Where, where is he at? I, I I believe in all of that stuff, but I also believe in Volpe's situation. This is an organizational thought. I mean, this was they made up their mind before the season began. Even if this guy goes badly, if he doesn't quit on himself, we're, we're going to stay with him. I, I believe 
I'd have to believe that was part of the conversation originally. And apparently I, I see the same indicators when I get to watch them a little bit on TV. He has a, he has a nice way about him. Um, I think they see that they, they probably have Derek Jeter thoughts in the back of their head with him somewhere. And, and that's sticking. And I, that's what happens in an organization like the Yankees that have something to draw on. So all these, all these, again, there's all these little micro things conspiring to make these decisions. And it's not as obvious as it appears to be the guy's, not hitting well right now. He's chasing breaking ball. He can't hit a high fastball. And I'm here to tell you, he could still get sent back. I mean, regardless right now, they're they're trying, trying, trying not to. I've had it with the Cubs. I've had it with the, the Rays. I've had it with the even Angels in the past. So it's still, there's still the threat of being set back. But they have, he's got the longest leash you could possibly have based on how they've ordained him and what they think he's going to be. So he's, he's going to get a little bit more uh, patient approach. Yeah, one last thought on Volpe. I think he's so important to them because he gives them energy. Mm-hmm. This is a low-energy team. They win games by hitting the ball out of the park. It's an older team. They don't take extra bases uh, on the base pass, uh, you know, first to third, first to home. They're not a great situational hitting team. You know, it's walks and home runs, uh, guys mostly in their 30s. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's the Yankee MO. It works for them. Um, but you need somebody in there to provide energy, and that's what I think Volpe do, does. And I, I think without him, um, boy, that's even less of a dynamic team. Hey, Joe, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about one of your favorite subjects, team meetings. <laughs> we'll be right back <laughs> after this. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out. With BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media. 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Joe, I brought up the subject of team meetings. I bring it up because another team that's been scuffling, the Seattle Mariners, had one. It was last week at Yankee Stadium, second game of a three-game series. Scott Service, the Seattle manager, just did not like the way his team was playing baseball. Um, It wasn't so much they were losing. It was low energy. It was poor at bats. Um, he just, he just thought guys were kind of worried about their own stat line more than trying to win games. And what he told me was, listen, I don't like meetings, but I had to call one. This was after the second game in the, in the clubhouse visiting team at Yankee stadium. And he essentially aired out his team. And he said, listen, you guys know the deal at this time of year. And we're heading up to the trading deadline. If teams don't play well, that's when guys get moved. So if you keep this up, the names on top of these lockers here are going to change. And it's up to you. And they came back the next day. They they scored 10 runs in the first three innings, blew out the Yankees. They've played better since. Um, but it's interesting. I, I think what Scott Service saw, Joe, was he's got a team that doesn't really have the guy in the clubhouse who would you, you would call a team leader, right? Their best players are Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick. They're 22 and 23 years old, right? It's, it's tough to ask them. They, now they set the tone as far as how they play, but to be team leaders, no, that's that's a little early to ask them to be that. So the manager, I think, in this case, has to take on some more responsibility when it comes to quote-unquote leadership. So he calls a team meeting in the Yankee clubhouse. Yeah, they responded the next day. Um, listen, I, I know for you, Joe, they're kind of few and far between, but I think sometimes you do have to pull the trigger, No. Yeah, I mean, I, I was always kind of uh, intentional with my meetings. Um, I would go, of course, the first day of spring training for pitchers and catchers, and then first day with the whole group. First day uh, before the first game of the season, so I'd have three meetings that time of the year, and then All Star break would be my next meeting. And um, what I eventually learned to do with that is I had the meeting before the All Star break and not post All Star break because I started out going post. Then I like pre, just wanted to give them something to think about before. Uh, they, they, they went away for a little bit and then, uh, before the first playoff game, that was always, that was my method. And it, 
uh, I felt pretty good about it and I liked it. And in between that, if things got a little bit sideways, I know you just said about the players within the group and I get that, but I always liked that player meetings first. I like players having meetings first or individual meetings. Uh, guys uh, call guys in uh, with me, talk to your coaching staff. And, and part of that also would be, I liked uh, bi-monthly meetings among the coaching staff about the players individually. Get in a room like you're in Cincinnati, road game. I like to do it on the road because I don't want to take away time away uh, at home. So on the road, you'd sit down, you go every player, pitchers in every player, and you would break them down briefly. And uh, what do we have to catch up on? Or what are we missing right here with this guy? What's going well with this guy? And then we would take it to the player, obviously. So I had a lot of meetings, actually, but they were different. Um, the air out meeting sometimes to me is when you're frustrated, when you're upset, when you're angry, and it's for you to get it off your chest. I haven't been watching the mirrors enough to know exactly what's been going on. So I was always cognizant of that. I don't want it to be about me ever. It's not about me being upset or about me being embarrassed. Um, and you can never take it personally when your team plays bad. You do, but you shouldn't. Um, so all these things I would try to determine what's going on here uh, before I got to the point. Like, Final point with this, I guess, is that I had one really good one, um, I guess, in Kansas City. And I've talked about this with the Rays in 2008. We were ascending and we're playing. We're good. We're uh, I think we're in first place. We're close to it in KC right after the All-Star break. I believe that's accurate. And we're playing a sloppy game. I mean, a sloppy game. And that Carl Crawford pulls us out of it with a double late and we win. We, a couple guys hit run hard to first base. Cutoff guys are being missed. Game over. We win on the road. Two important factors for me, winning and being on the road. Davey, Martinez, get them in that locker room as quickly as you can. I couldn't hold it in anymore. And I just went inside and it just went off. I mean, like I'm screaming to the point where you're crying. For like, I don't know, three minutes. Uh, I just They needed to know that this doesn't work. We haven't done anything as an organization. And we're going to be in first place in August and you're going to get like shut it down or just throw your gloves out there. That's what got me angry. That lack of effort, lack of caring, lack of whatever um, that I thought I saw at that particular moment. You, it's hard to denigrate a group for but you, you're not hustling. Um, and I, I shouldn't have even said you care, you, you, that you don't care. They, of course they care. But you got to, you, we got to get after a little bit more differently because we have never done anything. So that was the crux of the meeting in Kansas City was to really point out, listen, boys, we're going to blow something really uh, special right here if we don't turn our attitudes around or approach mentally to the day. So that was it. That was my one big meeting. And I've been asked to have meetings by different GMs. And, and, and when I don't, I know it frustrates them, but it's to vent your anger. Uh, there's better ways to do it. Again, if you really want to get upset with your group, they're going good. They're not going bad. And they're on the road. They're not in their home clubhouse. To me, that's optimal. Yeah, I see some similarities there. You had a very young team back then, that 08 team, and yep. maybe they needed it more than, say, an older team. What do you think? Well, we also had uh, Percy on that team. We also had Flo uh, Cliff Floyd, who was an outstanding leader on that team. Uh, Percy, Cliff, and uh, Eric Hinsky. Ski was doing his thing, too. So we had a nice balance. And then you have Longoria, you have Upton, you have uh, uh, CC was still relatively young at that point. Uh, the Navarro was our starting catcher, some pitchers, young, David Price, uh, Shields, he wasn't, you know, long in the tooth by any means. So there was a lot of youth there, but just a nice, that's why it's nice to, you know, salt and pepper the whole thing where you, you do get direction. 
from the from the clubhouse. And I'm telling you, it's that important. Uh, the guys, the players will peers will listen to the peers more intently. Um, and again, there's not this uh, choosing of sides or, or finding allies to support my cause. You're not going to find allies within the clubhouse if it's a, some, a meeting among the players only. But if you put uh, uh, managers, coaches against players sometimes and uh, the players, somebody has cash, yeah, they're going to create that that uh, uh, valley between all of this. So uh, again, I'm just trying to describe all this as completely as I can. It's, there's a lot of micro stuff goes into this. And it's got to be well thought out. You got to read the room. You got to read your guys. You got to know the beat, the heartbeat. You got to know what you can say and cannot say to whom and how. Uh, honesty without compassion could equal cruelty. And sometimes you just got to know who who handles what well and who does not. And sometimes it's a blunt object, and sometimes it's a velvet hammer. All this stuff is important. Yeah, and one more example of managers handling scuffling stars. Uh, Jose Abreu with the Astros had a tough season this year. I love what Dusty Baker did last week. Um, He gave him a day off the day before an off day and then gave him a day off on the other side of the off day. So he gave him three days, which, as you know, Joe, it's kind of like a mini all-star break. It's a mental break as much as anything. Uh, And he had dropped Abreu in the lineup to fifth or sixth, and when he brought him back, Last weekend, after his three-day break, put it back in the cleanup spot. Uh, coincidentally or not, Abreu responded with four hits in two games, including a home run. So I, I love the way that Dusty Baker took advantage of the off day. And, and Joe, you know what even one day can do for a player, but especially three days to get the head clear. Wow. Well, that was Carl Crawford, CC. Uh, Carl played every day. Carl played hard. <clears throat> so I would look for that, exactly what you're talking about. And I said, CC, we're going to do that. We're going to get you two days off. We're going to pick the day. You're going to get the day off before the day off or the day off after the day off. Uh, and, and sometimes I have done the three spot too, but I would pick and choose a day before a day after based on the other team's pitcher. Uh, like it was a tough left-hander the day after, then give them the second day, the, the day after, not the day before. So you try to match it up as well as you possibly can. Take advantage of the schedule. You look for respite within the schedule based on matchups and stuff. That's, I always wanted a 10-day planner in advance. I wanted 10 days from the – that's what I want from the analytical staff. Give me 10 days in advance. Who's pitching for the other team? And how do our dudes match up? And uh, among the people that need a rest, when would be the optimal moment in your estimation to give them that rest? And then I would try to match it up with what I was thinking. So that, that to me is analytically well designed, and that's a really benefit of that where the guys can give you that kind of information so far in advance that you can make – uh, better informed decisions. So all that is part of making your lineup rest. And I'm a big advocate of rest, as you know, and that's perfect. Cause I saw Abreu was, that was in LA that he was playing right after the break, I think. Right. That's right. And, yep. and he looked, he looked very frisky. No question. Yeah. All right. We've got to talk about, talk about managers dealing with disappointments. The biggest disappointment of this 2023 season is the New York Mets. You know, what is that? $360 million payroll, eight games under 500. They have not won a series the entire month. And uh, it's really interesting to watch this team almost like in quicksand. The more they try, the worse off it gets. And the way the manager, Buck Showalter, handles it. Now, he took a lot of grief for the game on Sunday against Philadelphia, where he lost the lead in the eighth inning without using his best pitchers. He had David Robertson, his closer, who had thrown just 13 pitches the day before, uh, had pitched only twice in the previous 11 days. 
and Buck was saving him for the ninth inning. Of course, there never was a ninth inning because Philadelphia rallied in the eighth against some of the lower pieces or lesser pieces in Buck's bullpen. That's the way it's gone for the New York Mets. Um, you know, and then you have a game, give the ball to Justin Verlander, the next game at home, and you lose to Milwaukee two to one. Uh, bullpen Drew Smith comes in, gives up a home run after he was suspended. And by the way, Buck's bullpen was short in that game on Sunday because Drew Smith was serving his 10 day suspension for using too much sticky stuff on his hand. You know, my question, Joe, for you is not so much about individual moves, but sometimes as a manager, did you take on some of the heat for your players? In other words, it's almost like a diversion when guys are struggling, they're trying hard, the results are not good. Um, that some of the stories coming out of the team would come out of the manager's office rather than falling on the players. Any, any, any way that that was across your radar when you had teams that were scuffling? First order of business, first job of the managers to protect your brood. That's what you do. Uh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to stand in front of everybody. You're going to explain things off um, to take the heat off of your players. You're always going to do that. Um, and you're going to accept responsibility and you are going to take the heat. That's what you're there for. But I always thought my first thing to do was to protect the brood. It's no different than your family. You protect your group, A, B, C, D, number one, uh, number two, three, four, five. That's what, that's what a manager does. And I don't know that that's spoken about enough. And I just saw a little clip with Buck and that's exactly what he was doing. I don't know it was that game in question right there, but, uh, the question posed to him, what he did uh, he, well, like he always does, is he protecting his group. And the thing I love about what Buck's doing right now, how, how uh, consistent he's remained in his demeanor and his response. Uh, Buck is going to think it all the way through. He's not going to be over-emotional. So don't expect him to be over-emotional. That's not who he is. Um, he's very consistent in his approach. And to me, that that equals discipline. And I love that. The, the Mets aren't playing well because they lost. they lose their closer. Um during the WBC, number one, uh, and they're not playing well because they're getting poor performance, and that's not his fault. Yeah, I will say this, Joe. I think they're at the point of their season, especially now with this balanced schedule where you don't play as many games against the teams in your division like Philadelphia. You have fewer head-to-heads. Right. You're this far underwater. Yeah. Every game, to me, becomes more and more urgent at this time of year. No denying. I mean, at there's some points you got to start trying to win the game outside of what your normal path to victory is, because uh-huh. I don't want to say the Mets are running out of time, but maybe running out of opportunities. Well, first of all, regarding that situation without Robertson, who was the batting order for the Phillies in the eighth? I would just be curious. Did he have him lined up for the ninth because there was a stronger batting order coming up in the ninth and he thought his guy could handle the eighth? That's one thing. Number two, the unavailability of pitchers always to me is intriguing based on um, you know, the, the edicts from upstairs, who's available and who's not available that night. And he's not going to, again, he's going to protect the front office or the analytical department too. So I don't know. I mean, he may have made choices there based on what he was told he was, he was able to use and not able to use that day. See, these are the things that, um, you know, fans and writers don't know because we're not going to spill the beans on that. You're not going to do that. You're just going to do uh, the organizational whatever, and you're going to not use Robertson, uh, maybe like this situation in the eighth because two, three, four is coming up in the ninth, potentially something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah, he did go. Th- he, the eighth inning, you did have Schwarber, Turner, Harper coming up. So they, okay, the big okay. bets were coming up okay. in the eighth, but you make a good point though, Joe. And, and I saw this in the Verlander loss. Well, he didn't get the loss. Drew Smith got the loss. 
you know, Verlander came out after five innings with a mm-hmm. hundred pitches. Right. And I know there's probably some fans thinking, well, leave him in. He's got up to 117 this year. Why is he coming out after five? But if you watch that game, and this is interesting with the pitch timer, Joe, mm-hmm. the Mets were going down one, two, three against okay. Colin Ray. And Verlander had very little time before he was literally back on the mound. Sure. So you had that. You had the Brewers extending at bats. You had Verlander covering first base a couple of times. And then you had Verlander is lined up to make his next start on the fifth day. Now, normal rest in today's game is six. So that's almost short rest is is only four days of rest. So Buck has to think about the next time Verlander is going to get the ball. So those are so many things that came into play rather than just looking at this game in a vacuum and saying, well, he went 117 earlier. He can go 117, leave him in. Well, if you watch the game, the pitch timer, the length of the at-bats, the next time he's going out onto the mound, man, there were a lot of factors that factored in there, including Verlander's age. And he said it himself that the time in between in some of these fast innings now under the pitch timer is something that all pitchers, but especially older ones, are getting used to the, uh, the interconnectivity of the game. That's what you're des- describing. You're absolutely right. And that if you, as a manager after a game sit and give all those different thoughts or reasons, it sounds like you're making excuses where you've been asked a question. And then you want to really like, uh, if you want to get really involved here, I'm going to tell you everything I was thinking about in that moment, but it never comes across well. So you, you, you do the cliff notes. Uh, the game is interconnected nightly. You're making decisions tonight based on tomorrow. Because you have to, you have to space this out, and that's why you have to have a deep roster that other, uh, people that are able to perform uh, pick other people up when people need rest, and that's how you start winning games or, or, or create longer winning streaks when you have that kind of interconnected depth. And if you don't have it, it's almost impossible to do. So again, as a manager, I'm not going to give you all that only because it sounds like I'm making excuses. But those are all the different thoughts that go into making decisions. Well said, Joe. You've been there before and you've handled it well. So um, those words certainly resonate. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I said I needed some help, some recommendations, uh, music recommendations from Joe. We'll get into that next. Mm-hmm. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever 
you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. By the way, Joe, we're talking about player scuffling, um, and we've talked about this before, but incredibly it's still happening. Mike Trout um, just cannot get going. His slugging percentage is down to 480. That's you know good for a lot of players, but it's a career low for him. After hitting 200 in May against fastballs, he's hitting 200 again against fastballs in June and seeing more fastballs than anybody but Miles Straw. I don't know whether you've got a chance to watch much of Mike lately, um, but man, Joe, I thought by now he had figured something out and I keep waiting for that surge. You know it's coming, um, but it hasn't happened yet. It's been very strange to see. I'm sure it is for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching it, and I saw him hit a home run against Granky, 91 down and in, right into the to the slot of his swing. Um, yeah, he's he is he's he's kind of um, tunneled or channeled into where the swing path is right now. I'm watching. Uh, I don't watch. I have seen them a lot, but I've seen them a bit, and uh, he will make the adjustment. I agree with that. Um, but that's and you talked about Stanton, and you've talked about there's other guys. I mean, I know that uh, the last year or two there, whatever, um, or the last several years, when we're beating somebody with the fastball. And I mean, just it could be like what is perceived to be um, kind of pedestrian fastball, maybe 93, 94. But nevertheless, it's the straight ball, backspin and four-seamer. Uh, four it gets on a hitter. If there's that little bit of right to it at all, it plays up It plays up even to a bigger number than that. Why do something differently? I, I think uh, because this is another analytical component, when you have this kind of data to support uh, results, uh, you'll stay with it. So, I mean, if you're pitching, you're going to say, I'm not going to throw Trotty three fastballs in a row. There's no way I'm going to do that. But no, before the game, somebody sits you down and says, listen, do this. If you're going to go breaking ball, make sure it's uh, strike ball. Make sure it's a chase pitch, but do not go ball strike breaking ball, as an example. And we're going to keep doing this until he shows otherwise. So that <coughs> that is data-driven. Back in the day, you had an advanced scout. He'd sit in the stands, right? 
and he would watch just that team. He would scout that team that you're going to play next and send reports based on that. So the pitchers that uh, the Angels would be playing would be reported upon and how we pitched and the pitchers then up their pitchers, of course, with our hitters. Limited, limited numbers. Uh, so you're not going to can ever convince yourself to do that. Uh, Matty Keogh wanted us to throw front door breaking balls to Edgar Martinez in the 90s, which was not a pitch back then. It was like, what are you talking about? That's a hanging slider. So all this stuff with the data and the, and the, and the really stockpile of information, it, it permits or provides greater confidence in regards to the game planning that you're putting out there. So right now, everybody that they're playing, the, the Angels, they're just saying the same thing. Until he shows us this, we're doing this. And you don't have to uh, change up or try different things. You're 15 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. It's happening now. Yeah, you know, you made a good point about those uh, those fastballs with ride. Um, we know velocity keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Back in 2017, wasn't really that long ago when Stanton was the MVP. Mm-hmm. You know, the average fastball has gone up a mile per hour since then, and mm-hmm. batting average against fastballs has gone down 11 points. And that's not that long ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, guys in their 30s, the Donaldsons, the Stantons, the Trouts, they're seeing more velocity from more pitchers, by the way. In 2017, there were only 40 pitchers who touched 100 miles an hour. We're halfway through the season and already have had 44 pitchers <laughs> hit 100 miles an hour. Unbelievable. I mean, it, it's not that long ago, but Joe, I'm looking at a different world when it comes to pure stuff on the mound in today's game. And also consider the techniques being taught with the hitters. Again, analytically, we want the balls in the stands. We want homers. We want you, we want you to go for the home run, even with two strikes, no adjustments here. Keep taking that hack. Uh, we, we, we want the homer. Uh, we don't need that blooper to right field. Uh, we don't want you to accept your walk. Right. We just want you to drive the ball to the ballpark. Swing up. Uh, a launch angle, et cetera. So when you combine launch angle with uh, added velocity, whoa, that is devastating. Now, when I watch Stanton, I don't necessarily see launch angle. I don't, I, he looks like he really wants to flatten it out a bit, but that really opens up a big hole underneath him at his back foot, especially by the way he stands. So it's it's a combination of, yes, uh, added velocity, which I was watching Hicks with St. Louis when I saw him a couple years ago. The kid couldn't throw a strike. Now, now he's thrown two-seam strikes at 102, three miles an hour. Wow. Sink. <laughs> they got no chance. The ball's coming back eight inches for a strike on the outside corner. You have no chance on that. They're just trying to basically foul it off and hopefully get to another pitch. So combination of velocity with the approach and teaching, I think, obviously has led to a greater number of strikeouts. All right. Let's talk about barbecues and music. Uh, <laughs> you got, uh, I'm sure you got some powerful outdoor speakers as well. I know you love them in your vehicles that you drive. So um, That's true. Yeah. You got a bunch of people over. We're, we're, we got the grill fired up. We need some good tunes in the background. Where should I go? Well, you know, if you're, we're, we're talking, in fact, it's, let me go for the West Coast first. Let's go West to East. Okay. The Beach Boys. I mean, you know, regardless whether it's on a beach or just in a summer situation, endless summer, you, you would want to have the Beach Boys blaring out during the summer. I mean, good vibrations simply. Uh, and I'm going to have my first party at the pad here soon. The, the, the railing's almost put up on the deck. And I got the kegerator coming on Thursday. The grill is ready to go. I got heating elements if it gets cool. The view is spectacular. Beach Boys, good vibrations, man. It always starts with good vibrations for me. And I, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm sticking to it. And then again, you start moving back east. 
like, you know, the, the summertime stuff. How about just the, the good old love and spoonful? You know, I, I mean, oh, that, yeah. that to me has got the summer kind of a lilt to it. Um, and yes, you're right. The Sono speakers interconnected through this whole pad booms everywhere. I, I keep them up to 70, 75. So the people on the, the golfers on the third tee can hear my music every time they go to hit their tee shots. But yeah, I'm going, uh, I, I, probably uh, unsuspecting um, cho- choices, but the, the Beach Boys to Love and Spoonful, man, to me that equals summer. John Sebastian, all those dudes. Uh, and I love Nashville Cats. I mean, just stupid stuff. I mean, it just got that little uh, funky, summery beat for me that I love. You know, I went to Spotify for a, sometimes it's hit and miss for a barbecue mix, right? Okay. And, and uh-huh. I heard a Billy Joel song okay. that I have not heard for years. And I was like, wow, that brought me back. Summer Highland Falls. Okay. Now, and the early Billy Joel is just amazing, right? Right. I, I wasn't so much into his pop stuff. You know, it seemed like the higher he got on the charts, the less I kind of liked his stuff. But early on, and obviously Piano Man is just an incredible album. But I'm going Billy Joel, East Coast pick. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'm, I'm, listen, Step Brothers, didn't, they weren't into the 80s Billy Joel. They liked early Billy Joel, too. But I, I get it. I totally get it. The, the uh, uh, Catalina Wine Mixer. The, that group that was on the stage there, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, by the way, you dropped a kegerator on us. I, I got to know more. Yeah. I tell me more, please. Yeah, we got. Uh, well, the, the back, the, the backyard's so cold. I got a, a two stall kegerator, so I got a double tap on one side, a fridge on the other, uh, an area for prep for food right next to the grill. So the kegerator will be here on Thursday, and we're going to go half Corona Premiere, and we're trying to figure out the other half whether it's going to be just yangling or yangling flight, you know, being the fact that we're over um, 35, 40 years of age, we, we prefer the light beer. So maybe half, uh, I'm a big Corona guy, uh, Eddie, better. I, whenever I'm sitting with Eddie, I love, I love our Coronas. We love our, but the premiere for me is solid. Uh, I like the solid uh, Corona premiere on one side, yangling or yangling flight on the other. Cause I wanted some of the local stuff out of Pottsville. Yeah. You got to stay local. I mean, yeah. throw in a couple of rocks too. You know, yes. A bucket of rocks. Yeah, no, listen, that was the that was the drink of choice at Lafayette. And any kegger that we had around here back in the day was always the rock. All right. So what's going on the grill? What's the what's the food choice on the grill? Yeah, uh, well, there's a couple things. I've I've learned how to rotisserie. I have a rotisserie now and I've done um uh, ribs on rotisserie. And the big thing about the ribs on rotisserie, you could uh mustard, dry rub on it, and then what I like to do uh, as it's uh, rotating, obviously, spritz it with orange juice. I get a, a bottle spritzer with orange juice. Every 15 minutes, hit it up. And you want to get those ribs nice and hot before you take them off. They're like almost 190 degrees or so, and you, that's when you do take them off. And put a little dipping sauce. Don't add any sauce. Just put the sauce on the side. The dipping sauce is great. And then right down the street, Frankie Radis, my guy down here at the uh, pro shop, we order some, I order steaks from the purveyor there and we cut them up and bring them over like two inch thick New York strippers. And I like to start those with um, lime infused olive oil and then just got to go with Montreal seasoning or something like that. But I, I, I get the internal temperature up to like 125, 126, take them off. I like to get them off uh, ready to eat pre less than 140. Um, and these suckers are just so, so good. So I, that's primarily you're going to see ribs and rotisserie ribs, chicken, of course, the burgers and dogs, et cetera. But I'm really into lime-infused olive oil right now. 
and spritzing ribs with orange juice. Yeah, to me, uh, you know, you mentioned dogs and burgers, yeah, traditional. Um, mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. love me a good barbecued chicken sandwich, maybe a little bacon on there, uh, fresh tomato, lettuce. The bun is absolutely important, um, but I go there. But my wife does an incredible pizza on the outdoor grill. Yeah. She's oh, got yeah. one of those stones. Yes. And it gets super hot. And you can get it done in like four minutes. Now you're talking like 600, 700 degrees in there. Mm-hmm. And it comes out nice and crispy. I like the the old school kind of crispy, almost like a flatbread type. I do that too. Uh, we have Snaps Pizza here in town and a bakery. And, and you could buy the preformed shells. And they give you a, a kit with sauce and the, um, uh, and, the, and the cheese. But again, on the on the, the 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 crust, the dough, I started out with lime infused olive oil. Then the big thing for me is I like salty, so I got green olives and capers on my pizzas. And then I take the the uh, sausage and the pepperoni, and I use a, a grater and grate it down like to crummy, like fine crumbs of sausage and pepperoni, and a little fry on that, and then throw that on the top there too, and then dump all different kinds of cheeses on it. You're right. About four minutes at the most, I put it on the stone on a piece of parchment paper, and it's been a pretty big hit. And by the way, I have had your pizza. That's right. You Snaps, have. That. Snaps has not just great dough. They got that's, great sauce, too. That's right. You're at 100%. Plus, we also have our Madden pizza sauce. We do sell that. Uh, it's for the foundation. We have Madden pizza sauce, Madden pasta sauce, and Madden chow chow. My dad's on the pizza sauce. Uh, my grandparents, Italian, are on the pasta sauce and my mom beanie is on the chow chow which is a really big hit it's great with even just a hot dog uh meatloaf fried meatballs the chow chow is outstanding uh if you're really interested we get you more information but all the proceeds for that go to the respect 90 foundation very cool it's a big day on the calendar fourth of july weekend coming up it's a big day and you know as far as the summer schedule but even the baseball schedule i always felt like you know those teams traditionally in first place on the fourth of july they're for real, yeah. and it's it's almost like your spot to lose at that point of the season. Agreed. I mean, uh, you you've you you figured it out a little bit. You got that kind of that thing going on in the clubhouse. The, everybody's starting to believe right now. We're like Pittsburgh's descending a bit. Cincinnati is ascending right now. Baltimore's uh, keeping their spot among the uh, the other groups right now. Um, and then you see, like you're talking about the Yankees. Where's that energy going to come from to get them over the top? I understand that completely. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays still want to vacillate right there in the middle, um, not knowing exactly where they want to go. Um, and, of course, uh, I don't know how the Dodgers keep doing it, but they do. Andrew does such a wonderful job out there. And even the Angels. I mean, like, the Angels are hanging in there really well. I, I like Griffin Canny making his comeback. I love that uh, Griff is pitching as well as he is, and David Fletcher's back up. So, you know, keeping track of all this stuff, is it, it is really interesting right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great time of summer, great time of year. So, um Joe, you got something to take us out here as we head into a big weekend? Everything we've been talking about, brother. Uh, Again, Mr. Twain, may you always keep your youth. You know, we uh, we everybody wants to be grownups. Everybody, you just we we just we want to become old, and we got to dress a certain way, and you got to cut your hair, and you know wear different kind of clothes. May you always keep your youth. It's it's probably the most uh, important thing you could possibly do. Important words to remember. Great job, Joe. We'll see you next time on The Book of Joe. You too, brother. Thanks for everything, man. See you. Bye.
The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 